Hey, Julius. Hey, PJ. <laughs> and um, Lynn is with us. Hello. So, it's a party. <laughs> Small way of putting it, I guess. <laughs> okay, so you had really good questions for the last one. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm sure uh, people found that helpful relevant and although the topic isn't um as like one of the as hot as some of the other topics you know, like topics regarding race pandemic it, it is something people are exposed to hmm. so I, I was glad that you brought it up um and then feel free to just hop in and ask questions or say what you want to say as well okay. um yeah so Julius, do you want to just kick this off by uh, asking your the first of your series of questions? Yeah, and sure. I give a give a context to it. Um, right. <laughs> yes. Thank you for having me again. Um, but uh, as this month is Pride Month, um, I thought it would be appropriate to just tackle some questions that yep. people might be having surrounding pride and just the whole culture in general. Um, so in view of that, I guess the simplest way to ask this question is pride celebration. Is it okay to be a part of it? Um, ranging from participating in uh, marches to supporting nonprofits that encourage pride. Um, businesses so in that context is it okay to be a part of it or where do we draw the line right yeah that's a really good that's a really good question so, uh i think short answer to you know is is it okay in general for christians to take part in it i would say short answer no um i would say yeah in general it's not okay um hmm. but but i mean i'm not always sure what people mean by taking part i mean because there's so many different ways to take part in it do you mean like standing there watching <laughs> or or taking part as in you got t-shirt on you got signs up and you're just right um you're you're marching alongside that kind of taking part. i mean if you're just observing mm. and you're just observing maybe even praying you know Mm. Uh, if that's taking part, then by all means, you know, if, if, if your conscience isn't uh, bothered by that. Um, and I think you, you also have to take into account like things that you will be exposed to if you're there, mm. almost like walking into an R-rated movie um, right. where things can jump up. And I know friends who don't go to R-rated movies, um, mm -hmm. just weighs on their conscience. So, um Maybe you go with a readiness to walk away when you need to. I mean, there's many different ways of partaking, but if you mean by participating, what I think you mean is uh, just fully partaking in the celebration, marching along. Um, I think you'll have biblical problems uh, uh, doing that. So my, my short answer will be, um, will be no. Uh, in this mm -hmm. Okay. Um... That makes sense. That was a very clear answer. <laughs> and just, um, and yeah. just to maybe add to add to this for for maybe listeners who are not familiar with maybe like the reformed take on this, um, the I think you can 
look at Leviticus. Um, you can look at Romans 1. You can mm-hmm. look at First uh, Timothy uh, chapter 1, 2 Peter 3, and find the Bible has always been consistent in both the Old Testament and New in, in teaching that homosexuality is not God's original design for humanity, for human flourishing. Mm-hmm. And so it's not something we celebrate as Christians. So that's where this no is coming from, just to um, give the full context there. Right. And and at the same time, I would also say that it's important for us to also understand in the beginning, God created everyone in his image. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, we need to affirm uh, everyone, whether you are gay or straight, as human beings created in the image of God. Right. And that image is broken in heterosexual people and homosexual people in different ways that -hmm. brokenness is universal but so is the very beginning point of just being created in god's glorious image and so we have inherent value and dignity every one of us Um, right i think you need to affirm that but of course uh, pride month is about more than that and Mm. and so um i think i think to some degree i want to be able to Go alongside, whether it's a neighbor or friend, um, or just someone I run into at Starbucks. If I were to have a conversation about this with them, um, that uh, yeah, although God is about this topic of homosexuality in the Bible, and, and that it's not His design, it deviates from His original design. At the same time, I want to affirm their humanity. Like I want to affirm their value as human beings, and that it doesn't necessarily come from their sexual orientation, but it really comes from the imago Dei, the, mm. the image of God that they bear. And, I mean, we happen to live in a very hyper-sexualized culture where your sexual identity, sexual fulfillment is like like the ultimate identity marker. Right. Um, but that's not, that's not God's design either. Um, mm. Something more fulfilling... Uh, and, and more more true to who we really are and that's uh, being being a reflection of God's glory mm. and and I want to affirm that you know if 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 I to the best of my ability I want to just go alongside uh, and be able to affirm that for them uh, if they identify themselves as that um, mm. at the same time I, I would fall short of just full-on participating in a prize celebration because again it's more than that so if you go back to like the 70s when this prize celebration started in new york city right uh, it it's rooted in something more than just okay we want to protect their uh livelihood or humanity or dignity it champions a certain almost borderline religious morality or uh, a it's a worldview that has its own doctrines. Right. And namely, I mean, their slogan is gay is good. And that's kind of the original OG kind of slogan. And mm-hmm. by that, they mean a moral good, like hmm. uh, a metaphysical good. And if you basically go against that, I mean, it's almost like how we say God is love as one of our like highest virtues. Right. And so it, it, it does resemble a religious movement that has its own doctrines and heresies. And so because of that, um, you know, I, I can't, I can't just 
go along with that, even though I want to affirm the value of their, their lives, their mm. uh, citizenship, their protection and freedom even. Um, but, but I can't just go alongside and uh, celebrate their doctrine that anything that defies their slogan or their, their model is, is uh, heretical. So, mm -hmm. so that's where I would just kind of fall short of partaking in the, the prize celebration. And that I would try to explain that to whether it's a coworker or a friend. All right. Just try to explain that like dual concept. Mm -hmm. Help them try to understand that to the ability. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thank you for that clarification. I think that kind of touches upon another point that I wanted to bring up because I mean, pride celebration is literally about like, be proud of your sexual orientation, right? Like recognizing the LGBTQ community as social groups. Um, but in a way, if, if we're looking at it biblically and um, in the way God designed the world, um, it wouldn't, I mean, I think you kind of touched upon it, but wouldn't, isn't it kind of fundamentally flawed in that sense? Because our identity is not strictly based on so, uh, sexual orientation. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and that's true for really everything else that we might attach ourselves to, you know, um, right. Really. I mean, I, I'm just coming from a Bible study where we're talking about how uh, we have a vocational identity culture where mm -hmm. you are for living, you know, and right. your entire self-esteem, self-image, confidence, um, the reason why you can hold your head up is because you have a certain career path. That's a that's an idol too, you know, and a lot mm -hmm. of people need to separate themselves from that. And, and and I'm talking about Christians, you know, really need to center their identity on Christ. Um, right but that's a that's a struggle for um for a lot of people and it's not unique to people who struggle with same-sex attraction i think that's something uh i struggle with i i can attach my identity to my ministry mm -hmm. i can attach my identity to appearing like a successful family man or something like that you know but all of that falls short of the permanent and secure identity we have in Jesus. That's the gospel, right? Right. So the only, that, that's why uh, Paul says, my pride is in Christ. Like my boasting is in Christ hmm. uh, and nothing else. And he, he says, you know what? If, if you want to go off like a resume, I mean, I have the best resume there is. Um, but none of that matters all of that I consider to be waste mm. uh, compared to who I am in Christ. Right. Um, so just because we're in this kind of lane of talking about um, affirming humanity of people in the LGBTQ community, um, yeah. I think the question that I have regarding that um, when you made that distinction was, we want to affirm their humanity, but we don't want to kind of encourage that sort of mantra, that mor morality that gay is good. Yeah. Um, so how, how, I mean, 
I feel like this is a tough question, but like, how do you, how do you do that almost? Because yeah, in our culture, we want to affirm um, their humanity, but we do it in a way where we, we're saying like, oh, it's okay um, that you're gay. It's okay that you're lesbian. Yeah. Um, and they embrace that aspect of the person so much that right. it kind of becomes intertwined with their identity. So right. as Christians, how do we address that? Yeah, yeah. And you're right. It is a, it is a really big, tough question. And <laughs> we'll probably just, I mean, we're scratching the surface here. Yeah. I think just on top of my head, I think it's important to, for one, articulate to our friends or coworkers the very reality that uh, when it comes to these ethical matters, mm -hmm. the tension is not just between religious people and secular people. Mm. There's a tension between secular and secular as well. Mm -hmm. So here's an example. Like I remember reading a, a New York Times article, not a, not a religious source, <laughs> <laughs> in no means a religious text, yeah. um, where a feminist, a very progressive feminist, was writing a very strong opinion piece against transgender ideology. Mm -hmm. Because she, as a feminist, a totally secular feminist woman, uh, finds it offensive that someone who is biologically male mm. would uh, come to her and say, I'll be your spokesperson. I I'm going to represent you now and, and speak on your behalf. Mm -hmm. She took offense to that, and it's not based on any religious vantage point. It's entirely secular, and so she doesn't like the whole uh, LGBT kind of lump being lumped into one. Mm -hmm. uh, for her, her movement is a very different one than the transgender ideology. Right. So, so there's tension within the if we even within the secular worldview. So it's not accurate to paint it as, oh, there's this huge uh, kind of soul battle between religious and uh, religious people and secular people. I think, I think that's worth just articulating. Mm. Uh, when it comes to ethical matters, I mean, everyone is saying, I'm right, you're wrong at some point. Right. So, so there's that. Now, speaking more from like in-house discussion, when it comes to Christianity, um, we understand the basic form of humanity, the, the most complete form of humanity to be Christ. Mm -hmm. And everybody falls short of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to be more most human is to be like Christ. Mm. Uh, because he bore the image of God most perfectly. Right. Um, where he didn't dehumanize himself at any point by sin by sinning or giving into temptation to sin. Mm. He was the most perfect human. He is the most perfect human. And he, he is, the Bible says, the firstborn of this new humanity. And, and if we are going to have any hope in becoming truly human and completely human, uh, we have to trust in him and become more and more like him as a result of trusting him. Right. So, so our definition of humanity is Christ. Mm. And that's our starting point. And sin is the, the, the main cause of that dehumanization in everyone's lives. Um, yeah. And that's a battle we're all facing. It, it's, a, it's a question we're all facing. 
uh, the question that sin poses to us. How do we overcome sin and become most human? How do we how do we overcome the sting of sin, which is death, the, the, the weapon, the greatest weapon that the enemy has against us is death. So these are questions that whether you are gay or straight, you have to wrestle with. And mm. the answer that Christianity, the gospel gives is the same. Uh, the, the answer of the gospel to the gay person is not, hey, become straight. Mm. It's deny yourself, carry your cross, follow Jesus. Mm. The gospel for the straight person is also deny yourself, carry your cross, and follow Jesus. Mm. Well, you don't go to heaven because you're straight. Right. You go to heaven because you have Jesus, right? Mm. And so that's the answer we give to everyone. And the gospel is not different because it's preached to the gay person. Mm. It's the same gospel to the straight, to the gay, Jew right. or Gentile, master or slave, male or female. It's one gospel. So... Um, we want to present that common vision of humanity to them and not uh, somehow slip in this idea that if you want to get to heaven, you have to create your own nuclear family, mm. heterosexual marriage and have children. That's how you get. I mean, you don't, I'm not saying people are saying that. Yeah. I think sometimes that's the sense. That's the implication right in 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 a lot of the ways that evangelicals act with their gay neighbors definitely it, that's just not the the full presentation it, i mean think about it this way let's say you have a um let's say you have a uh, neighbor struggling with uh, alcoholism mm. right uh if somebody goes up to this person and and by the way i am not equating alcoholism with homosexuality <laughs> this is no analogy is perfect right yeah, yeah but but the point i'm making is this if anybody goes up to that person and says if you want to get to heaven get sober right that, that's how you get to heaven is if you're sober All right that person needs to run for the hills <laughs> because that's a false teacher right that's not the gospel uh, the gospel is, again, right? deny yourself. Mm -hmm. Put the weight of all your sins upon Jesus who took, them, took the weight of sin for you. Put your whole trust in him. Now let him command you uh, the rest of your life, rest of your existence. Let him be your Lord and your Savior. Mm -hmm. um, and then that, that has implications, of course, in your everyday life. Right. And you will struggle to... Uh, overcome sin and temptation thereafter the perfectionism of that is not right something that you present as as uh the gospel it's like until you perfect your sobriety uh, you are not you are not a follower of christ you you don't ever want to communicate that right so i mean i'm, I'm kind of rambling a little bit here but I, all that to say when we present I mean, you brought up a really good word, humanity. When we present the biblical picture of humanity, we have to present Christ, mm. not my version of humanity, not right. you know, my family or my marriage looks like. Mm. That's not the gospel. The gospel is Christ. Amen. Um, yeah. Thank you for that. I think that was... <laughs> uh,
really I think that was a really good answer, honestly, because um, a lot of times that's it in a way it's like kind of how I think it's like when you fix the sin, like that's yeah, it's like a pseudo answer almost. Um, and I, I feel like, especially when it comes to a topic like this, it becomes very touchy because it's part of people's quote unquote identity. Um, and they don't want to like to call that sin is almost like egregious. Um, but I mean, it is a sin, right? It's like, right, right. it's like, like alcoholism or porn addiction or, uh, adultery. Like it's basically the same thing. And I think you brought up a really good point that it's not about sobriety or like, or not sinning. It's just denying yourself and following Christ. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. that was a really great answer. <laughs> um, Lynn, did you want to jump in here? Yeah. Um, yeah, I really appreciated that distinction because I think that what can happen is there's this sense of like social morality that has nothing to do with God. You know, what people yeah. is right and good. And I think what falls into that place is like that phrase, right? They talked about gay is good or even straight is good. And I think that Christians can also fall into that line of thinking and then conflate, you know, what is true godly morality versus like a social morality, yeah. Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like being upright citizen vote, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's like some overlap, but, um, but a godly morality leads to does this please God, you know, am I serving him? Am I living for mm-hmm. him? Um, yeah, I, and I do want to just, again, re- I'm not saying it's not like you shouldn't say homosexuality is a sin. You should say that because that's what the Bible says. Mm. Uh, and you should say everything else the Bible says too. <laughs> <laughs> in, in condemning a lot of heterosexual sins. Mm-hmm. Right. There's actually more language about heterosexual sin than homosexual sin, but mm. the the reaction Christians have is greater you know when it comes to homosexuality all right they excuse a lot of heterosexual sins and so, <laughs> um yeah the the god's design for human flourishing is um sexual relationship that's confined to a marriage between a man and a woman mm. and so any any sexual relationship outside of that marriage union that that points us to the union between christ and the church um is falling short of God's design. It's, it's uh, breaking, it's deconstructing God's design and making it, turning into something uh, of your own design and of your own making. Mm. And yeah, I really think there's a lack of reaction or maybe lack of uh, just correction mm. when it comes to how the church uh, handles heterosexual sins. Right. And a whole lot of language about addressing homosexuals. I think a part of me wants to just see some balance there mm-hmm. because I'm progressive or anything like that. Actually, my progressive friends think I'm super conservative to a point where I'm like hopelessly <laughs> just brainwashed by like, um, I think we just need to look at the world more biblically and holistically 
and not not just through a, an echo chamber through like one cultural lens right that's kind of what i'm getting at a little bit um but i think you should absolutely stand firm on your belief when someone asks you about your particular stance on homosexuality and say hmm. yeah i'm a christian i and i'm a bible believing christian and, and you know, believe it or not they still exist and, um that conflicts with what the bible teaches about human sexuality and so yeah I can't say I, I endorse that or condone or celebrate that just as I don't celebrate all sorts of other, other sins. Mm. Um, and, and so I have to stand on my conviction and, um, and explain by the way, uh, why, like, uh, what is God's design then? And what is the meat biblical meaning of marriage and, and be able to articulate that for my friends as well. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think Len brought up a good distinction, or I guess both of you did, about this social morality that kind of become like that taking the forefront of everything. Um, and so I guess that kind of brings us to my next question, which is what if my workplace is supporting pride? Um, yeah. And as a Christian, as you said, <laughs> um, that we probably should not support like the yeah, march yeah. and everything, but it kind of becomes uh, confusing or problematic when right. there's like clients who want to do work that supports pride. Um, so how do we reconcile right. that? Yeah, that's a really good question. And um, I think what I'll do is I'll try to just talk about it yeah. a little bit with that if that helps or if you want to follow questions there so yeah. what what we just talked about so far is more the the personal and relational element of this right mm -hmm. um like how do i talk to a friend on a personal level mm -hmm. so the other aspect is the vocational aspect right right so your where where your work um can get involved with this and I think, so here's an example. So um, I think I told you I was like a Starbucks barista for about a year back in Florida. Yeah. And um, let's say, let's say you're a barista at Starbucks and your store is like right on the street where they're having the pride parade. <laughs> and like a dozen of them come in and they order like, like dozens of Americanos, ice Americanos. Um, Maybe they're Korean. I don't know. <laughs> a Korean order. Now, do you start as a Christian? Like, should you feel some kind of uh, reluctance in making them coffee because you don't want to caffeinate them to enable them? To... <laughs> like, I would say that's overthinking it. Mm. Um, your job is to make coffee, mm. and. and by the way, that's a, that's God's gift. We Amen, right? Amen. So, so that that's your job is to make make a cup of coffee taste good, mm. not to police what people do with the caffeine. Right. So I think you can be free uh, in your conscience to just make it 
everyone, anyone coffee, right? Mm. So that's that's one level. Uh, but here's another level. Uh, let's say uh, your boss now, like your match store manager, comes to you and says, "Okay, you along with everyone working here, we we are going to put on a pride T-shirt mm. because we support this movement as a branch, as a company philosophy." By the way, they do if you go on their website. Like mm. again, very doctrinally in support, right? Um, not just like we support their humanity or that kind. Of, it's very moralistic and doctrinal, mm. and so therefore we're gonna everyone put on the t-shirt and get on this, you know, together. Um, that's a different level of involvement because, right, when you put on a t-shirt, uh, you are expressing something about yourself, right? Whereas when Make a cup of coffee. You're just recreating a company product that you were trained to make. Mm -hmm. Self-expression isn't really a part of that. But when you put on a T-shirt, that can become your speech. Right. So, I think there's grounds in that case for you, as if you are, you know, a Christian, to say, "No, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I can't wear that because that violates my religious freedom, my exercise of." My, my religious freedom mm. because because what I put on as you know this t-shirt is me conveying a personal message right and, and that would also depend on what it actually says like if it says something like gay people have dignity and value <laughs> yeah I wear I will wear that because I believe I believe that they do have dignity and value because they're created in the image of God I, I mean I wish it said that Right. I wish that, you know, it quotes Genesis one, you know, twenty. God created them male and female in His own image. Right. Um, but but I think I can totally understand also. If the message is simply gay is good. I wouldn't wear that, and and for a Christian to say no, I would totally understand. Mm. Um, and pastorally speaking, I would discourage people from wearing that. If you're if you're a follower of Christ, because it miscommunicates uh, what the gospel message is, so, so it depends on what it says. But in general, I think there's there's the other layer, right? You're not just making coffee; you're expressing yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that, and um, maybe maybe you can apply this to let's say uh, graphic design, mm -hmm. right? Um, and your company has a contract with people who are part of the library, and and you have to like create a lot, a bunch of posters, let's say. Right. Right. Um, and your company has contracted with them uh, without your consent, because I mean, you're who are you? you know? Yeah. <laughs> you have no control over that. You're just uh, maybe you're just an intern, maybe you're just an employee. Mm -hmm. um, and your contract is to just do whatever your boss tells you. To do. Yeah. You have no artistic control over who they contract with. Mm -hmm. right? um, and in that case, maybe uh, in your, in, in someone's point of view, um, uh, they're simply uh, punching out artwork, like, like someone's punching out coffee. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cause you're not a contractor. You are not the boss. Right. 
So this is out of your control. Right. So one way to express just one way to handle this is yeah, I, I have no control over this and I'm just going to be faithful in my job. Now, I think there's, that's one reaction. The other reaction is also this, um, whatever I do is my self-expression. Mm. So I'm not comfortable with this. Right. Yeah. Uh, and though I didn't choose to contract with them, it was my boss. I had no control over this. I'm still bothered in my conscience. You should you should stand on your convictions. You should you should go with your conscience and and say, um, I'm not comfortable with doing this. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You find someone else to to do this project. Um, and I think you should be within within your rights to exercise that kind of religious freedom. Right. So, so again, I'm talking about this. I'm not giving any prescription. I'm just yeah. talking around it just to express there are different layers to this. Mm. Um, and your personal conscience will, will come into play. But here's the common denominator, though. Mm. The common denominator for every single follower of Jesus Christ is to be able to express that, that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And mm. um, I believe what the Bible says about this matter and that's my heart conviction. I think you have to be able to express that conviction without reservation right. if you are a Christian. And what that looks like in your uh, vocational life, I think that depends. Mm. So there's something subjective and then there's something objective. Right. Yeah, I think that is, I mean, I, I like that you're, talking about it and not prescribing um, because I do think there is some measure of trust and faith in God that we do have to exercise, especially when it comes to things like this. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll add this in there. Um, maybe, maybe this will be helpful. Yeah. Um, you have characters in the Bible like godly men yeah. who were, who were uh, forced to submit to pagan emperors and empires. Mm. Like Daniel. Right. Uh, Joseph. Mm. Um, they had to partake in a lot of things that were considered pagan, secular. Right. And, and that comes to like clothing or food or, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking their language and serving their king, by the way, whom people will worship as deities, like as gods right. and stuff. But then um, you don't see a lot of like stories of their resistance to the everyday way of life. Mm-hmm. Resistance came, resistance came when they were forbidden to practice their religion, like their faith in the God of mm-hmm. their father. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If they were forbidden to pray, if they were forbidden to worship this God, if they were compelled to worship a different God, they would then stand their ground mm. and they would then be persecuted for that. Hmm. Um, but it's not in the just doing the day to day vocation. Right. Because they don't have, I mean, they're, they're slaves, <laughs> they're, uh, <laughs> they don't have control. Over that, what they have control over is who they worship, right? So, so that's something to consider here. 
Um, and maybe one example in the New Testament that might overlap with this is, uh, you know, when Jesus said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's, mm-hmm. to God what is God's. Now, what, what's interesting is that's not just some simplistic way of Jesus saying, pay your taxes. That's not, <laughs> it's not just that. The question was controversial because uh, the Jews knew very well what paying taxes to Caesar meant. The coin that they used was inscribed with Caesar, the divine son of God. Mm. And by forcing this sort of uh, gesture on all the colony, colonies, the, the Romans were basically forcing them into, like partaking in some religious act that uh, pays tribute to their, their deity, which is Caesar. Mm. But they're compelled to by law. Right. But by partaking, it seems like they're worshiping Caesar like everyone else, like Romans are. Mm-hmm. what should we do that's the that's the tension here that they're presenting jesus mm-hmm. and jesus's answer is render to caesar what is caesar's and to god meaning he's not caesar's not god mm-hmm. god what is god mm-hmm. so you can make that distinction you have to make that distinction right uh, especially if you belong to a nation ruled by pagans <laughs> <laughs> with with uh unbiblical laws right you can submit to authority even though that may look like you're partaking in a false religion mm. but in your heart in your life right worship the true one and only god right the right. god of abraham jacob um and and worship him in spirit and in truth right and 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 be able to stand firm on that and be willing to be persecuted for that too. Mm. So, so I think you can see examples of this, um, in, in the Bible and, and we can draw some helpful principles there because this is not new to Christians, Christians living under pagan rule, pagan empires. I mean, that's right. That's old news. And, yeah. and we have examples of faithful, men and women who have lived under that and 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 we talked about this uh last time at times there are times that that call for civil disobedience right uh, because we must obey god rather than man Mm. but uh but then there are other times when it's not a matter of worship it's a matter of simply providing a service to your neighbor and living under an ungodly ruler and and submitting to that authority and doing your best as paul says to live at peace with everyone to the best of your ability right with the readiness at any point with the readiness to say that's against god's teaching god's commands and i'm i'm not going to do that Mm. so again i i did it again i talked around i didn't really (laughs) i didn't really prescribe anything but um I'm just hoping that gives people, whoever's listening, uh, some maybe some way of gauging where they are on the map, you know, and just yeah. kind of take inventory of all these things in the Bible and view of our world and kind of prayerfully go about how to how to um, exercise their faith in their context. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, even if you did talk around it, I think 
I mean, I personally found that helpful. Uh, those examples you pulled from the Bible, and I didn't, I didn't even um, think about it in that way. Like, they only really kind of stood up against authority when they um, were not free to practice uh, worshiping God. Um, I think that was. Yeah. Yeah, I just never picked up on that, but that's also kind of cool. Um, well, that's also because for them, like the 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 action they were part partaking in, the daily routine, the daily tasks, they didn't translate or they didn't infuse spiritual religious meaning into it. Mm -hmm. Because because they they were worshiping their god, and submitting to rulers is part of worshiping their god. Right. But, even though from, let's say, the Babylonians' perspective, right? oh, oh, these guys are totally worshiping us and following our religion. <laughs> uh, from the, the Christian point of view, uh, no, you only have authority over me because God gave you authority over me. Right. And I'm ready any day um, <laughs> to defy your authority and submit to God's authority. Right. So... No, I'm not worshiping you at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think Lynn wanted to jump in here as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was really helpful again. <laughs> um, and I think it's interesting to note that, like, in those instances in the Bible, like, um, those people of faith were not in the majority of power. And mm. kind of interesting to think about it in terms of, where we are right now in our times, there's kind of like a struggle in who's in power and who says what's right and good. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's interesting because the instances you gave were like uh, times where people felt threatened in their in their faith, and so that's why they 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 protested in yeah yeah. Um, whereas I feel like some of the situations that we hear like on the news people are not so much threatened in their faith but they want to champion their faith mm. and so i thought that was like interesting uh almost like feel like protest is used as a form of evangelism but i don't know how effective that really is because if you're trying to share the gospel i don't think it would work if you say, and I'm not going to serve you, you know? So that's really interesting. I really appreciated that clarification on how it really will depend on each person applying their conscience, which if you're a Christian, that's guided by the Holy spirit. Mm. Um, like really like listening to what God is like speaking to your heart on how you are on in your situation with, you know, your circumstance. Um, Sorry, I don't know where I was like. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that. helpful because that ties into, I think, your next question you, you had written here um, about uh, what if my friend is a Christian and they're supporting, mm. uh, you know, Pride Celebration, Pride Month, and, uh, and, and you can clearly see that they're, biblically speaking, in error. How do you engage with that Christian friend? Mm. Um, I think, I mean, Lynn, I mean, really started off on a kind of just a good first step there in terms of what not to do is like like out oust them on facebook you know? <laughs> uh, like 
just trying to hammer somebody on Twitter, you know. Yeah. Um, when was the last time someone got converted on Twitter? <laughs> uh, oh man, that tweet just. <laughs> oh, I repent. Like I mean, or because my Christian buddy wrote me a book length email uh, about my errors. I mean, I, I I just haven't heard that before. Yeah. I have heard plenty of stories where a Christian would invite someone into their home, uh, feed them a meal and just listen to their stories and listen to their questions mm. and then say, Hey, come back next week. Mm. You know, Hey, visit my church with me and build trust and friendship. Uh, and, and one, there are many unknown examples too, but one very well-known example is Rosaria Butterfield. Mm. Uh, I think everyone should listen to Rosaria Butterfield's uh, testimony. A former uh, being feminist professor mm. who started a friendship, who built a friendship through just this pastor who invited her uh, to meet with him and his wife and have dinner and have conversations and just let her ask away. And uh, she felt safe mm. to engage with him. And later she came to faith and now she's a pastor's wife. And so <laughs> not, not that every story has to be like that, but um, uh, it's just an amazing, um, she's just an amazing speaker and just draws I think rightly draws attention, but, but all that to say, um, I think your approach has to be Galatians six, one, uh, restore the sinner with gentleness. Mm. You got to restore the person that that's gotta be your agenda, not to expose the person. Right. Pharisees did that. Mm. Exposing without restoring, right? Mm. The woman caught in adultery, they expose her without restoring her. Mm. They just want to stone her in the public square. Right. Uh, Jesus restored her. Mm. Right. Uh, I forgive you. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Uh, grace empowers change. Right. So I think you, ha first of all, you have to just acknowledge that uh, Christians disagree on, on all sorts of theological matters. And, and, Yes, in this case, if they, if they support pride, I think they're in biblical error. They're in theological error, and that's the sin. Um, and or I should lovingly speak the truth and build a channel where I can speak into that person's life. And also, rather than just jumping to like speaking, start with listening so I can I can really address their questions and their issues. Mm. I mean, I, I want to persuade them, right? Like Paul did. Right. Uh, when Paul, when Paul was, right, Acts eighteen uh, says uh, he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath to try to persuade Jews and Greeks. Mm. Try to persuade. He didn't go just to yell at them to say how wrong they were. Mm. He went to the synagogue every Sabbath, every Saturday to persuade them mm. to Lord's Day, essentially, to, to, the, to 
to to the Christian faith. And I think Lynn is right. I think um, we don't see a whole lot of examples, of good examples of just people trying to be persuasive or mm. like Peter says, uh, present the, the case for the hope that you have with gentleness and respect. And respect means you you give enough ear to the other to your opponent uh, where you fully understand their side of the argument. Right. And if you were to describe their argument back to them, they would say, yes, that's exactly what I meant. Mm. You have to give them enough respect rather than saying, no, let me tell you what, what you really think. Right. That, I mean, not at all an effective way to persuade someone. <laughs> right. Let me, let me tell you what you really believe and let me deconstruct it. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> so with respect and gentleness, you got to, you got to win them. Um, mm. And, and to, to, to win them, you got to listen to them. Right. You got to, you can't just be speaking with inside your echo chamber. You got to speak to them. So um, a lot of listening is called for and, and, and a lot of patient listening. And, um, and then you got to really prayerfully prepare how to answer. Mm. You can't just listen. You do have to speak at some point. Um, but I think what you speak should be directed by what you have heard. Right. Right. I feel like it's harder to do that. It's harder to, rather than just like have one conversation with somebody or, you know, post something, the harder thing is to sit down with somebody for like, intending to build a relationship, intending mm. to grow together, inviting them into your home. Like those are really yeah. intimate and it's scary. Yeah. And yeah. it's cost, it, there's a cost, you know, mm -hmm. it's your time, it's your energy. Yeah. Um, it's opening. I mean, it's interesting. You're also opening your heart and your time and your care for that person. And that leaves you open for being rejected. Um, so yeah, that's really interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, so the lady I just mentioned has a book titled the gospel comes with a house key. Hmm. And I think the title pretty much says it all. Hmm. Um, and, and I remember my missions professor in seminary saying the most undermined and underestimated and underpracticed evangelistic tool today in all of Christendom is hospitality. Mm. Huh. That's also the most effective. Form. Yeah, yeah. It's the most effective and the most unused. <laughs> That's interesting. So I, I, when I put down on our website, one of our core values as hospitality. I didn't just put that there like, just to sound good. <laughs> um, like a hotel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. People come in and they can make a mess of things, but Christ, he cleans it all up. Dang. Um, it's always open. Always. <laughs> vacancy. I mean, really, um, that's my hope. Mm. And... No, it's I know it's challenging, but 
and and who knows what hospitality will look like down the road with COVID, but right. But host a Zoom meeting. Host a Zoom meeting. <laughs> but for now, maybe at least we can practice listening and definitely uh, equip ourselves. You know, uh, equip ourselves to address their questions, which are often common because it's it comes from a common culture. Uh, it comes from the com like a common time period and a common geographic location, and so um, oftentimes when you prepare yourself to address one person's questions, mm. it's going to equip you to address ten other people. Right. So uh, equipping is important, and so that's why disciple. That's where discipleship comes in. That's where life on life missional discipleship. <laughs> Uh, comes in there's the plug for discipleship (laughs) that's what it was all about (laughs) Uh, but yeah but i i hope that um if anything people would just be more encouraged to okay i want to get equipped now uh to really reach that one lost sheep rather than trying to get like a dozen likes on facebook (laughs) with wisdom of the day kind of post like reach with the one lost sheep, one lost friend, one lost coworker at a time. Mm. Um, and, and I really think God's going to equip you through that one person to reach 10 more, mm. but you got to start with one, right? You can't, you can't just be Peter overnight and convert <laughs> 3000. You're not Peter. Right. Right. Just start with one. And, stick to one and pray for that one and i think you'll press deeper and deeper into the heart of christ that really is a sheep Mm. so i have a follow-up question okay so my question is what would you say to uh the christian who says yes yes i agree to all the things you're saying but when it comes to me interacting with the people that i care about my life I'm afraid. I don't know what to say. I'm scared of being exposed for what I don't know. Um, what would you say to that person who has the desire to be, to like speak truth and be loving, but doesn't feel like either like they're not equipped or they feel like it's not part of their like makeup. Like it's not in my personality to rock the boat or to come up with like a very compelling argument. Like, what would you say to that person? Yeah, Julius, do you have any thoughts? And then I'll, I'll try to say something that might be inclusive and, <laughs> and rapid. And rap- <laughs> because that's such a good question and such an important question. And it might be a whole other um, episode. Of, yeah. But Julius, if you have any thoughts <laughs> while, I, while I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, wait, so the question was, like, if if you have a friend who is a believer who says yes to everything, but is afraid of speaking up on this issue. Yeah. Or I mean, they, they may want to start a relationship with somebody who, I mean, this is all coming from pride, pride week, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody who, I mean, and we could just say in general, somebody who's not a Christian, right. could be um, anybody, but what would you say to that person who like wants to share the gospel um, wants to speak truth, but just doesn't feel like they have it in them to do it. They're scared. They feel like they don't have enough information. They feel like it's not their personality. Mm. 
Um, might be a pretty generic answer, but <laughs> I would just say pray. Um, I just yeah. always think that's a really good starting point, especially when you don't know what to do. Um, hey, you, you sound like you did a little life on life. <laughs> uh, I might have. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely pray. Um, seek the wisdom. Sorry, what? What should they pray about? Um, well, if they are a professing Christian, then for just boldness and uh, trust and faith in God. Um, because just, I think based on the framing of your question, you said mm -hmm. they don't feel like they have it in, in them. And mm -hmm. if they feel that way, that means they're probably not basing their actions on what God would want or kind of like depending on their own strength or their own efforts to do it. And I think that's in a way where the hesitation comes from. Um, I would say that. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that that's really, that's really good. That's probably the most important. Um, maybe just maybe two really practical things that people can do other than what we just talked about in terms of seeking equipping through discipleship is yeah. Take the Philip method, Philip approach. And the Philip approach is uh, when he found his friend, Nathaniel, um, who uh, basically point him to, to Christ. Nathaniel's like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And that's a tough question, right? It's a it's a very like sociologically, culturally like complex question. Mm -hmm. um, and Philip says, "Come and see," <laughs> <laughs> meaning, I'm gonna hand you over to Jesus. <laughs> and that's brilliant, you know. Mm -hmm. um, come and check it out. Right. So I think we do that. How do we do that today? You know, point people to Jesus. We invite them to church. Right. Or uh, during COVID-19, that means here's a link to our lives. <laughs> like, so just sharing your uh, church's live stream is in a way saying, come and see. Right. And maybe you can even just literally say that, hey, come and see what the gospel is about or you know, join our service and see what, what Jesus had to say about this or that. Mm -hmm. um, and this is also something the Samaritan woman said. Uh, after she encounters Jesus, she runs into the village and she didn't have like suddenly this seminary training right after that encounter. <laughs> right? Right. Because it was like, what, five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> Not uh, four years of, you know, graduate school. So what is she? Come, see the man who told me everything about myself. Right. There's something fascinating about this guy. Could this be the Christ? So, mm. I mean, what does that sound like in your, in your context? Maybe it sounds like, hey, maybe Jesus is more than what the world has caricatured him to be. Come and check it out. Right. You know, listen, listen to this preaching because 
I think you'll find something meaningful there. Maybe there's answers to the questions we have about the meaning of life there. Maybe, and, and just lure them in with that attractive proposition that maybe Jesus has the answer to your question. The, the question maybe you don't even know to raise right now. Yeah. Uh, come and see. So I think that's those two things, just what you say in terms of inviting and just making service available, the gospel preaching available to them, I think are just immediate practical things that you can do, mm. even though you don't have all the answers. Right. Yeah. No, yeah, Lynn, go for it. Yeah. This is like really corny, but as you were speaking, um, I just thought of, you know, not only... Um, and you be saying to that person, come and see. But I think it's also God saying to you, come and see, you know, mm-hmm. through um, you sharing, you know, in a very small way with somebody else, you can see God, mm-hmm. the master at work in somebody's heart. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's exciting. It doesn't, it can yeah. be scary, but that's what an adventure is, you know. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's a mic drop. <laughs> Yeah. All right. That was really great. Thank you. Yeah. No, thanks for bringing the, the pertinent questions. And uh, I hope um, I hope it'll be helpful. And um, yeah, bring some more. I will. I'll think on more questions. I mean, there are other questions, but. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll tackle them next time. Nice. All right. Thanks, Julius. Bye, Julius. Thanks, Kishay. Bye, Lynn.